Welcome to the Kayak Bass Nation audio podcast. We go live every Monday night, talk all things kayak bass fishing across multiple platforms. But we don't get to talk directly to you folks, the audio podcast listeners. Uh, wherever you're listening to us from, whatever platform you use, we want to say we appreciate you guys downloading the show, listening to it while you're driving, working out, or whatever the case may be. If you have the time, take a second and leave us a review. Give us a follow, a subscribe, whatever your platform allows. And once again, thank you for spending a little time with us on the KBN Live replay. Yo, what's up, everybody? Welcome to KBN Live. What's up? Ryan, how you feeling, my friend? Back again, back again. I got to take a look at my uh, my knife wound down on my leg today. Uh, pretty gnarly. <laughs> a little, little worse than I was expecting, but uh, yeah. I still attached. They put me back in a cast for a couple weeks, so maybe I'll be back by October. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? Uh, you, you shared the picture with us. It was pretty gnarly. It's kind of a kind of a snake shaped, like "Don't tread on me" kind of curved uh, shape. I mean, the guy didn't go to art school, I guess, but <laughs> he did cut me, so that's good. That's good. As long as he fixed you, that's all that matters. You know, TBD. It. We'll see. We'll it's find good. out in about six or eight weeks. Yeah. So everybody's jumping on. We got a bunch in early on YouTube and Facebook already. We're doing a Revo giveaway tonight, like and share contest. We'll get into the details of that. And of course, you know, our guest tonight, we've got the G man, Gerald Swindle coming on here in just a bit. Ryan, how do we, how'd you trick him into coming on here with us? How'd you, how'd you pull this one off? I don't know, man. Uh, I think <laughs> we were actually at ICAST last year, which is also happening this week. We can talk about that leading into the show here. Uh, but we stayed at the Hilton and we're sitting there and it was me and Steve-O and Koza and KVD and G-Man and the Shimano guys, Isaac Payne. Like you're looking around like, what did we do to get here? And, you know, start bullshitting around with G-Man. And I'm like, dude, we got to we got to get you in some some proper some proper kayaks here and uh you know a couple of tequila shots later uh st- struck up a little rapport and uh here we are on kbn live that's it that's how business gets done over tequila shots or something like that. it is if you can say no to that then keep going yeah hey we got somebody listening from fort morgan i wish we were down there with you fort morgan yeah no kidding the, the redneck riviera there hey ryan before we get going i gotta do a special shout out okay all right let's do it today is ashley k's birthday so I saw I that. I don't, Happy I don't birthday, Ashley yeah, K. I don't know if she's watching in the other room. She probably is watching something on, you know, makeup on YouTube or something. But if she is watching, happy birthday. Happy birthday, <laughs> Ashley K. You're still in your 40s, so I'm a 50-year-old dating someone in my 40s. How about that, Ryan? Look at that. Look Hanging at you go. There. Hanging there. Old there. sugar happy, daddy. That's right. Happy birthday, Ashley K. So <laughs> there we go. Uh, big stuff. And, of course, over the weekend, we had the big lacrosse tournament, Bassmaster Kayak Series, and our, our guy, Tyler Cole, took the dub. He got his second blue trophy he did he snuck up in there didn't he yeah i was uh, watching I t- that one i mean the what'd you think about the stringers i know we talk about this every lacrosse tournament i feel like it's i feel like it's just a upper 80s that's that's the max on the on the joint there that's it but but i tell you you haven't been up there yet i've been there a few times it's one of my favorite places to go i hated to, to miss it this year um it's a really fun place to fish regardless of the fact that you can't you know catch hunter bags uh, yeah. It's a really fun place to fish. I think the guys that went up there that go up there regularly would agree. Uh, you catch a lot of fish. the The environment and the 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 ecosystem up there is just really unique. It's a it's a cool place to fish. Where are the big fish? Well, I think it's just 
that strain of bass up there in the north, uh, you know, it's frozen half the damn year. I don't know if they have the time to, to grow that big up there in the I north. I don't know. I pure, mean, it's, pure it's, northern I, I, looking, looking down, you know, largest catch on Tourney X the whole way down, it seemed like 19, 19 and a half. That was, that was about, you know, around the, the big fish number there. Yeah, and it's always about that. Sometimes somebody will sneak in there, it seems, with like a 21 or a 20 to win big bass, something. But you, but no, you're not getting the, the PKs. You're not getting the PKs uh, uh, limits going on up there. But it's still, I, I swear, it's a really fun place to fish. One of these days, you'll, you'll get up there and have a, have a good time. I believe uh, you. I believe you on that yeah. one. Yeah, we, we can ask we can ask Bob. Mr. Swindle when he's there. He's been to across the time. Coon, the Coon King Bob said so he yeah. donated 70 bucks worth of DT8s. <laughs> you see that picture of him and Steve? Was yeah, legit, I was that jealous, was, man. I was jealous. Yeah, that was legit. A couple legends in a, in a picture there. So, yeah, the cross went down. I already talked to Tyler. He's down to come next week. So we'll have yeah. Tyler the, the winner next week. So. Yeah, we need to do uh, we need to do that. And the uh, what? There was another tournament, the native, the native yeah. uh, native tournament as well. We need to get those those guys on next we, Monday. We, we can double dip. Uh, and hey, speaking of the lacrosse tournament, how about the KBN Live Mojo? Miss Wesley Gray sliding. In I with saw a check. that she sent me a picture of that check. Yes. Yeah, that's so all I, she needs. Momentum's rolling now. Yeah, I told her. I said I don't know if KBN Mojo is a thing, but it is now. So you were on here, mm -hmm. then you cash the check. Usually it's the other way around. You catch a check, then you come on here. But <laughs> hey, we'll, we'll, whatever it takes, whatever, it whatever takes. it takes. So yeah, there we go. Um, and of course, like you already said, man, it's iCast week. What are you expecting to see there? Um, I, I mean, you're seeing teaser videos coming out a lot. I think I saw Natives launching a new kayak. Uh, obviously, Old Town has something coming. Um, you know that appears to be electrified a little bit. Uh, from the teasers that keep getting posted over and over again on KVN. Yeah. Uh, a lot of new baits. Z-Man's dropping a new um, kind of Gobi-style uh, swim bait, pre-rig swim bait. I'm pretty excited to uh, get a hold of that myself. Yeah, so it should be good. I got a sneak peek of a new product, Ryan. It's, it has to do with some of the rules that have come out. I know uh -huh. the, the communication rule got adjusted, but this new product is coming out that is called the uh, no, Don't Look at Anybody uh while you're fishing in the tournament <laughs> Bro. so you can talk you just can't look at your fellow competitors and what they're throwing so that's uh, yeah that definitely needs to be implemented yeah, gotta, at the next meeting of the minds or whatever yeah we got a special special sneak peek for that no i'm just obviously i'm <laughs> kidding joking if anybody uh, in the comments has anything they're really looking forward to at icast throw it up and we will uh we'll bring that up here momentarily yeah, and what do you want to give any information on that fundraiser video we shared or you shared earlier in the week mm -hmm. uh, with Co? We, uh, yeah, so you know, obviously things are kind of domino effect around here. Uh, I met Co a few years ago. We were hanging out when he was in Chattanooga. I'd taken his manager out fishing, and he's like, "Yeah, man, you know, I'd really like to switch over my bow fishing rig to lithium batteries." And I was like, "Ah, let me text my buddy, a pro guy." They just started sponsoring our podcast, so I connect him and Matt Looney. Uh, Matt is involved with a charity that, that benefits kids with muscular dystrophy and we get to text him back and forth. I get a call from Co the other night and he's like, Hey, is this, you know, is this thing legit? <laughs> I said, yeah, man, like Matt, you know, Matt's a good dude. It's, it's legit. And he's like, well, I'm going to, you know, throw in a concert package and some signed merch and whatnot as their July prize because it's Co's birthday month as well as mine. So he's like, I'll get in on this and, uh, you know, we'll run it up the flagpole. So here we go. There we go. Awesome stuff. Uh, we got that shared around to the different, different socials so make sure you get involved there uh anything else our guest is in the in the the waiting room there i don't think we should make him wait much longer what do you think Ryan? 
Steve-O. Steve-O got his luggage hijacked by American Airlines. He texts me and he's like, is it always terrible flying American? I was like, yeah, just fly Delta, man. That's the that's the way to go. He's he's uh learning learning the travel lifestyle now. Oh, Steve. PKA, but he's a yep. PKA. Katie posted the link, Bass for Beckers. That's the uh, that's the okay. charity. That's Katie working. back? Mama Katie? She Hey, she's jumping in. Back to secretary duties. Whoa. She's off maternity leave. All right. She probably got the baby with her, which is cool. Shout out to baby Becca right there. So. Thank you, Katie. All right. Uh, with that said, what do you say? Want to get our guest in here, Ryan? I got a little intro video to play. Hopefully he doesn't get mad and click off when I when I hit play on it. Well, we'll, we'll make it mad sooner or later anyway. Might as well go ahead and do it now. All right. Here we go. <laughs> feel like there's a good chance you're going to go in. There we go. There we oh. go. Could you imagine rolling up on the local pond and seeing that going on? <laughs> Welcome to KBN Live, sir. Hey, you guys. How y'all doing? Everything <laughs> set up here, man. I says, uh, get my little stand and everything where I need it. I can see y'all now and I can hear y'all. That's you, awesome. You fancy. You getting your TikTok stand set up there? Well, I don't know if I'm going to go to OnlyFans bikini TikTok. Oh. No, TikTok, if you're going to win TikTok, you got to show something. I just ain't quite there yet. You seem to be doing all right with it. I think uh, I think for the uh, the more seasoned veterans in the uh, <laughs> the elite crowd, you seem to have mastered the uh, the new and upcoming social media platforms. Man, it just gets more and more. Now I'm getting all these emails from Bass going, hey, everybody join Threads. And I'm like, What's Threads? Yeah. Like it's Twitter for Instagram. I'm like, well, I've already got Twitter. Why do I want Twitter for Instagram? It's like, it's like Twitter for... where they censor what you say. It's well, and I'm like, <laughs> if y'all want to really do something, you tell Mark Zuckelchicken to let me talk to my followers and quit just slicing it down. Like it's crazy. The bigger your following, the less it goes out to. It drives me freaking crazy. I don't understand. I, we've had several, you know, of the really successful YouTubers and stuff on here to talk about the algorithms and how things change and, you know, how different interactions and impressions lead to a, a bigger audience. I can't keep up with Like, it's great that people figure that stuff out. I can't keep up with it. I got, I mean, well, there's I got too much more shit to do. And, and then you got the Facebook algorithm uh, for monetization is 100% different than, than the YouTube. And they did some adjustments about three or four months ago. And I'm buddies with some guys who, like a guy named Zach Russian, he's got 7 million followers. And his videos normally get 100,000 likes, not views, 100,000 likes. And he said, dude, it even messed him up for a while, like trying to find like what happened. They rebooted the system. I'm like, the time, and like it drives you crazy. And then, then you got our government up there investigating the guy from China over the TikTok deal about their they're spying on us. I'm like, Hey, Mark Zuckerberg knows everything I say. Cause whatever I say <laughs> on Facebook, it shows up on my feed the next morning. I'm much more concerned about Zuckerchicken than I am Mr. <laughs> Wu Fang Hong than owns TikTok. I'll my tell you TikTok this. TikTok account has never been like, it has never been stolen or hacked. There's 15 different Gerald Swindle Facebook pages <laughs> a week. And I'm like, so I know. And some of the pictures I've gotten from those are concerning at best. Yes. And I'm like, if they're worried about our government's worried about China spying on me, I'm like, I'm not worried about China. You can lay your iPhone down on and have Facebook on and just talk about something, and the next morning you got an ad up for it. Yeah, that's guaranteed. Yeah, I know one thing. We're like one Ryan Lambert post away from this whole podcast getting shut down. So 
you know, Zuckerberg's on it. He's on us. It's it's coming, boys. <laughs> Saddle up. I'll burn I, this place I, to the ground in a minute. Hey, I hope old boy that bought Twitter makes him earn his rights, man. Because I'm like, I, it sucks because you work so hard to build these platforms, and then all of a sudden, they just change something, and, you, and then they're like, well, you can pay to talk to your fans. I'm like, well, they, we built this page because. They're my fans, and now you want me to pay? I'm like, I'd have just got their cell phone number and text them if I wanted that. <laughs> Talk about how how important that part is in in your career overall. Obviously, you're fishing tournaments. There's a competitive side to things, but you guys that are out here doing this for your livelihood, you know, it's marketing. It's a marketing machine. That's that's where it's at. Facebook, Instagram. And I'm a, I'm that guy that says like you you see these people that go off and I, I don't want to go, like get just chase rabbits but like you hear people talk about oh it's all about your YouTube subscribers I I don't really give a dang about your YouTube subscriber if you got forty thousand YouTube subscribers and you got three hundred fifty thousand Facebook fans with an average video view of a hundred thousand you got to be some kind of YouTuber to reach that so like. But these people get sidetracked on the YouTube, like it's only YouTube. No, it's not YouTube. Facebook and Instagram, TikTok and Twitter are the most valuable tools an angler can have because he can stay relevant uh, week to week. He can build a fan base and let people know who he is, whether they want to like him or dislike him, what he stands for, what he's all about. If that's what you choose to do on your social, and it's really helpful. You know, where I think when I watch a lot of YouTube stuff, I think YouTube is for learning. But when I watch a lot of YouTube stuff, I'm like, dude, this is as fake as the Kardashians. You know, you see a guy put a whole different hat on, throw a cowboy hat on. Hey, guys, welcome back to the channel. I'm like, hell, am I watching Jeopardy or a fishing show? Because just a minute ago, you was wearing flip-flops talking like me, and now you went into character. And I'm like, so, I, like, I, I'm not that guy that goes all crazy on it. But if you're a young, upcoming angler, whether you're a kayaker or you want to fish the Bass Nation, wherever you want to fish, your social media is your best friend if it's, but you got to work at it. It's, I, I hear guys say, man, I'm hustling my butt off on social media and I haven't grown that much. I'm like, how long you been doing it? It's like a year. I'm like, I've been doing it 24. Like it doesn't happen. You don't build those giant followings overnight unless you can use extreme profanity or you can do whatever. But if you have sponsors and you got like, it's a, it's a, a constant battle to grow it. But I would tell all young anglers, build your social media right now. Start your platform. Let sponsors see who you are because it's the most relevant thing you have. Even when there's not a tournament, you can still be relevant. Mm -hmm. We had we had uh, Christine Fisher and Wesley Gray on last week talking about something similar. And the, one of the key points we talked about was be authentic. And like you just said, don't jump on there with a cowboy hat if that ain't you. You, know, you see so many people do it. They go in full-blown yeah. character, and I'm like, okay, so what do I do if I meet these people in person? They're like, hey, where's that <laughs> Where's that? You know, teeth whitening smile you had at? Because, well, I'm having a bad day. I don't want a teeth whitening smile. So I don't think it hurts to be yourself on social media because I'm going to tell you, I think people all over the country have a bad day too. So it's okay to have a bad day. You control it, but you let people know you have ups and downs too. There's tournaments I don't catch Jack. I got nobody to blame. I can't blame the weather. No, I just didn't get my job done. But I think people relate to that because they have days when they go fishing and they don't catch it. I, a I, lot, I, a lot more I'm days a, like I, that than the others. Yeah, I, I'm a <laughs> true believer in that whole, uh, uh, they say, fake it till you make it. I'm like, no, nah, don't fake it because I'm telling you, this day of time, you will be exposed. Yeah, I heard uh, it was a podcast Milliken was on. who's over there tearing it up on the opens. 
he's a YouTuber that's actually crossing over and doing well. But they asked him how he's pulling that off, and he basically brought up what you said, which is if you can't fish, you get exposed real quick when you end up in a tournament. If, if, if you're just a character and you cross over, you get exposed pretty quick. Real quick. And that's he's been the first guy that crossed over to be successful. And and you will hear some of those guys, other big YouTubers say, well, I just, I'm not interested in tournament fishing. Well, you're not interested in the whooping that comes along with it. Yeah, that's, that's the trick. That you When Thank you cross over and you're doing it for more than just a camera – those fish change. Right. Well, <laughs> they know when there's money days. on the line. <laughs> yeah. If I had five days to go film a giant glide bait video on Gunnersville, I might make myself look like Carl Jockelson when it's said and done. <laughs> but in reality, it took me five days. But on tournament morning, bass only gives me nine hours. You either get it or you don't. You know, so it's a different, it's a really different swap over. And I just think it gets washed up in the industry where people put, they put their YouTube channel with their social channels and like they're all the same. And I think they're totally different. I think YouTube's for teaching and it's a great way to get some views. Uh, you work at it, but I think your social channel can, you can be a lot more who you really are. Like you can't just, I mean, comedy don't sell on YouTube. You know, people want to see people doing different things. So I think you got to kind of learn it. But I tell all y'all young anglers work at it, man. If you're not willing to do social, you're not going to make it in this world. I think the target audience is a lot different too. You know, what you're seeing on your social media, people are more following your life. You know, they're seeing everything you're doing in the off season, the good days, the bad days, the work, you know, maybe rigging up your boat, whatever it may be on YouTube. I feel like it's kind of marketed toward a younger audience. Like you see, like Guggen Squad's a great example. They took that kind of viral, uh, you know, bank fishing, whatever, and they blew it up in, into a brand. And they did great with that, the marketing and the branding. Those are guys that I don't anticipate them coming out and trying to trying to run through the tournament scene, you know? Like, I don't think that was the the intent of their their target audience, that reach. Right. I, I apologize. We had that glitch in my system because my wife said I didn't update my phone. But the first part of that I missed, I, I would ask you, if you don't mind <laughs> – Fill me back in because it was like it was like I was running eighty in my Phoenix going. <laughs> really I was saying the Guggen Squad stuff like that, like the target audience that they're going for to YouTube. It's it's kind of a viral, you know, thirteen fourteen year old just eating this stuff up out there making pond hopping videos and whatnot versus following a tournament angler through kind of the ups and downs, the struggle, the life on the road, that kind of thing. I think it's two two different kind totally of genres. Totally two there. different things, and I think. They really made a lot of movement in the industry when they were young, but they were using crazy cuss words. They were they were jumping over fences and sneaking in and cussing out security guards and stuff like that. So, yeah, a lot of 13, 14-year-old, 15-year-old kids think that's kind of cool. But in a different light, if you're trying to make it in a fit, in the, like on a professional side or you want to make it in the kayaking business, on the, you want to go fish tournaments, that ain't going to look good. So like or you're over 35 and you tear your Achilles jumping over a fence trying to sneak I, into their pond. I, I you mean, know? you could. Like, you know, the security guard hits you with the, with the clutch <laughs> on the backside and down you go. It's so real then. I think I, I th that they were so appealing to that young audience at the time because a lot of their stuff was going super viral. And it, it's like catapulted a lot of their stuff. And now you're seeing it, to, for what I'm seeing, I'm seeing it kind of trend back down now. I, I saw one of the most ironic videos over on youtube which is one of those guys you're talking about ryan posted a video 
of him running a guy off his property than now that he's made big money. <laughs> you know, he's made this big money and he's got land with a pond and he's running this kid off his property that was fishing on his property and he's giving him hell and telling him to get off his land. And I'm like, wow. My how the turntables have turned. Yes, that's how you built your channel. What, what what's going on here? I mean, yeah, you, I mean that's that's what I'm saying. I think it's uh, I I don't know, dude. I see I see anglers, and that and you know it's weird because there's certain anglers even in the bass on our side in the bass world they don't even want to embrace social media. They don't want any part of it. They're like, I don't want to do it. I don't care. I'm gonna make a living with my rod and reel, man. That's hard to do on a consistent 10 or 15 year deal. You might have one or two years where you're on fire, but it's just hard to do to make a total living on what you catch on the end of your rod. Yep. And and when you look at things like career earnings and stuff, a lot of that is fairly public information. You, you you're getting hit by the tax man too on this stuff, right? Oh. Like people, people, <laughs> you, you look at something, if somebody's got a 25 or 30 year career, and their career earnings is $2 million. You're like, oh man, $2 million. That's their, that's their lifetime. You know, that's their lifetime earnings like that. You know, you made a livable wage. Yes. But like you, you look at $2 million and like, oh, they're a millionaire. No, divide that by 20 pal. Like, come on. And, it, and a lot of young anglers look at that and think, well, is, is this all fishing has to offer? And I'm like, if you just really knew it may have an angler out there that says career earnings two and a half million, but his, his, career earnings through marketing and sponsorships may be 10 and a half million. Exactly. That's never gone public, nor anybody ever say it, but people exactly. look at that winnings. And I'm like, well, winnings, they're going to get 35 to 38% of that right off the top. I mean, I'm the guy buying all them houses people living in. I mean, I know what it's like <laughs> to write that check over and over. So I tell people your winnings is just a bonus. It's just strictly a bonus. Like you look like, like I tell my wife years ago, I was like, let's just put our winnings up and pay for the grandbabies, you know, college you don't depend on them you cannot depend on them yeah and there was a big shift i don't know how many years ago i think it was maybe during COVID or right before where a lot of the fellas that had been sponsored for years by big companies like bass pro different things like that there was a big shakeup, and they dropped them because of their poor social followings even though they were elite anglers they, yes. they weren't in, they weren't interested in the social media following right and, and and it's weird because now more and more companies getting into it because i can remember like three or four years ago when I started my TikTok and messed around with it, you know, I had it for a year and I never posted. I, well, I made one post and it had like 200 views and my wife thought it was funny. She's like, you suck <laughs> at TikTok. But she said, you've had it for a year and you've never posted but one time. I like the third post I made had a million and a half views. I said, I watched it for a year to learn how to operate it. But when I would go ask my sponsor several years ago, I'm like, what about TikTok? Oh, we don't, we, we don't care about TikTok. It's because they didn't know anything about it. Now all yeah. of a sudden you get these, Hey, can we get a TikTok? Oh, that's right. I thought you didn't care about it. You know, once and now you see it blowing up. Now more companies are are you know not only brands that are in you know bait manufacturing or or reels or whatever, but Bassmaster you know in itself is now <laughs> a proud member of the the TikTok. I'm seeing platform. Toyota. I can remember when I first started my my TikTok. I asked Toyota when I had a meeting with corporate. I said, "Now we're on really went right into TikTok right now." And then two years later, they're launching their new truck using TikTok. And it got a bigger, and I'm like, see, it's a different audience, and it's a different game, but it has a big value. And it's just like, you want to argue with them because they're like, if you have a video that has 10 million views on TikTok, they're like, well, we don't know how to put a value on that. Well, I do. I mean, I don't know how you can say there's a, a lot of difference between a Facebook video 
a YouTube video or a TikTok video that has 10 million views. If you're if if you're wearing a sponsor's shirt or a sponsor's products in there, how can you not see a value of 10 million views? Yeah, 100%. Views is views. Eyeballs is eyeballs, right? And like, I know they don't value impressions anymore because we're seeing this whole switch in social now where there's a younger generation just taking over these companies and they're like, well, we want to be the hero shot of every post. That's that. That must have been the last thing they taught in college is we want to be the hero <laughs> shot. Well, the hero <laughs> shot means you're going to get 10,000 views instead of uh, two, 2 million because that's what you want. Instead of saying, let me use your product in a video that reached 2 million and we'll tag it at the end. They're like, no, we want to be the hero. We want to be all of it. Okay. And we're seeing that a lot where they're like, we want you to do exactly this and say this. And like, it doesn't go anywhere. It's a really hard sale. I would have to say between you and Iconelli, y'all probably have the two best built brands as far as self-branding goes in, in the professional industry. At what point did you, or did you even focus on that? Or were you always just kind of cutting up quick-witted and, and it just rolled out like that or was there a time when you were like okay like i'm gonna buckle down on this this interaction part you know with the public i think when i won my first aoi from bass in 2004 i won aoi i won a hundred thousand dollar check i'd won the biggest title out there and i'm looking around i'm thinking but in my winnings just bass winnings that year you won 70 80 000, and then another hundred thousand for aoi and in 2016, you win it again. You get another hundred thousand dollar check. You make, I think I made six or I don't know, I might have made eight top tens. It was crazy. And I looked at my winnings again. I was thinking, that's when it really like everything started flipping to me. Like, hey, just work on your social because that the big the big influence, the big money is all about what you can do off the water. Like, quit mm -hmm. focusing. Don't say quit focusing on the water but focus more on the things that make the money. And then I just got real lucky because I, I, I'm self-taught on social. Like I can't spell crap. If somebody asked me to go fishing on Wednesday, if I, if you ask me if I want to go fishing and I'm telling you it's got to be Wednesday, I'm going to say, hell man, let's just go Thursday. Cause I can't, like I literally can't spell Wednesday. Like, so, but I learned that when I posted and I missed up stuff, people all of a sudden realized, well, that's really him. He's not like, he's not like 80% of the anglers that pay people. Theirs. They're like, well, hell, that's G. He's sitting in the tree stand misspelling words. And then it just started growing. And my wife's like, I need to correct that spelling. And I'm like, nah, cause see, that was me. Just let it ride. Let it ride, Lulu. Let, let it ride. ride. So let's just let the loose ends drag. But I think, that was an eye opener for me. But you know what? People accept you for who you are if you're just uh, not scared to show it. Yeah. This is the golden age of not being able to spell though. You can just emoji the hell out of stuff or just short emoji it up. But if you I don't correct messes up more stuff than I than I'm trying to say anyway. I, yes. I, that's a <laughs> that's a catch twenty two. Too smart for my own good. I think I just got real lucky on social when I realized there's nothing to be afraid of of being who you are and talking about your life. And try not to be too creative because I had a big, uh, uh, several big discussions, and I'm no longer with Mountain Dew as of this year, going into this year. But I'm like, I had some discussions with them, and they're like, "Well, we want you as a social influencer." I said, "I'm not, I'm not a social influencer. I don't know why y'all keep calling me, want me to pay me this money." I said, "I am a professional angler that just happens to have a big social influence." 
but I don't wake up every morning and shave my legs and check trail cameras wearing cootie cutters. You know, I'm <laughs> cootie cutters. You know? Yeah, you know. I mean, because where I hunt, there's chiggers, and I ain't never seen nobody running my trail cameras in Daisy Dukes because you look like you've been shot with bird shot the next morning. We got chiggers that eat sandwiches. So, like, I don't wake up in the morning and say I want to be a content creator. And that was a. Well, you're creating a hell out of some right now. We've got about six clips that we're going to take out of the last 10 minutes and repost. I'll go ahead and tell I, you. I mean, I'm just being honest. God. I mean, like, I just don't wake up in the morning and go, I don't want to do this. Because about half the time you can tell because I'm not wearing, like, I might have a sleeveless shirt on, the wrong hat. I don't care. When I feel like making a video where I see something that I like, I post it. So what I would argue with Mountain Dew is like, but they wanted social influencers. I'm like, a social influencer wakes up in the morning and plans out what they can film. I wake up in the morning, live my life to the fullest, and if I have time, I'll film something. That's it. There's a big difference in a social influencer and a professional or a lifestyle person. Yeah. scripted versus unscripted right right and there may be days that I, I mean i learned that zach russian has one of the biggest social followings on on all of social media and him and i fish together somebody's taught me so much about it and i'm like zach do you worry about when you post he says nah i ain't he said i post when i want to post he said i'm not gonna let some algorithm or some college flunky tell me when i <laughs> post he said well my post he made a real good point to me he said well my, when i make a video and it, and it quits getting, like, when it stops growing, then I'll think about posting again. He says, sometimes I might go a week without posting. And it, what it showed me is that people want to see what you post. If you post five times a day, because you go to some of these people, and they're like, post seven times a day, post at 9, 17, 10, 13. <laughs> and I'm like, no, that doesn't, that, that's crap. Because a lot of people tell you your best time to post is on the weekend. If you're an outdoorsman, my fan base on Saturday and Sunday, it's the worst time I can ever post. Why? Because all my fans are fishing. They're all hunting. Like, it's horrible. So he told me that. He said, you you figure out when your videos quit growing and then post again. But he said, you don't have to post every day. I like that. So Brian Reynolds commented, and, and this is, you know, kind of tongue-in-cheek, but it brings me to my next question. Is public sponsoring you yet for promoting that $5 sushi? Uh, <laughs> oh, but they do. I think they still mad because I showed all them heroin needles in the flower bed that night. I, I, I got it. Good and bad. I, I tell my wife, I said, honey, I'm not making this up. I'm just a referee in life calling balls and strikes. If I get out of my truck and there's five heroin needles over in the Isaiah bushes, I got to say, hey, look, y'all be careful. But they do got some good $5 sushi. How do you, you know, when you target a company or do you target a company uh, for sponsorship, you know, are, are you looking for the relationship, which I think is, is the biggest thing for me, it's so much easier to work with a company when you have that relationship with the VP or the marketing director, or you mesh well with the, you know, with the content team versus maybe a product that you like more than the other. You know, I think, you know, how does that work from, from your perspective? I'm looking for, I'm look, the number one thing I tell everybody is I don't, I'm not going to be sponsored or endorse anything that I don't believe in or use. That's when it gets a lot easier. It's when you're promoting stuff just for the money that you don't believe in or use, people will really see through it. So I'll start like, if somebody offers me something and they're really nice about it, but I don't believe in it, I'm professional, so hey, I can't do that at this time. But if I like something and I really believe in it, I, then I'm looking at that company for where's the relationship at? Like, mm -hmm. where are we gonna be two years from now? I, I, I wanna know, can I come up to the office and sit down and, and shoot the bull a little bit? Do you trust me to do my own social and get the same reach as other guys? To me, about a sponsorship is relationships, relationships. And I, I preach it to my nephew, Trey, 
Moose Beach in the open is this whole business is networking and relationships. So I would rather be with a company that pays me less with a greater family relationship and a solid background or foundation that that company is built on than I would a company willing to pay me sick money that I don't know anybody. I, I tell you what, one of the most impressive things, and I'll mess up exactly what you said, but it was back during the pandemic. You did a video, whether I don't know if it was on Facebook or, or YouTube or whatever, talking about how these, these companies were in a panic. They were losing money. They were pulling back marketing dollars. And you did a video talking about how, hey, I'm going to stick it out. I'm going to keep making content. I'm going to keep putting out information, even if you can't pay me a nickel because we have this relationship and you trusted me and I'm going to trust you. And you just kind of powered through it. Can you talk about that for a minute? And it was so rewarding because I think companies remembered that when it was over. Because when, when, when COVID first hit, it was so unknown and everybody panicked. And there was so much to cover in that. But like people were like, we, we're going to shut the payroll down. We don't know what we can do. We're going to cut everything. We understand. And I'm like, hey, bro, I got you back. You know, I got you back because see, it ain't gonna, I'm sitting at home. It ain't going to cost me any extra right now to keep doing what my, my job was supposed to be. And if we come out of COVID on the good side, just remember me. But I don't want you to call me up and say, hey, man, times are hard. I, I can't believe this crap. Hey, y'all y'all owe me money. It, that wasn't going to help the situation. But I think I've had several companies that look back and say, hey, bro, we appreciate that. You know, we appreciate you went to work for us. In other words, I didn't have any. I wasn't fishing tournaments. I had to stay relevant. So why not keep working? But instead of just taking the bad attitude and saying, well, if they don't pay me, I'm not doing nothing. Normally, that is the mentality of a sponsorship. If they don't pay, you quit. But in that situation, there was a lot of people not paying. And we didn't know what the future was going to bring. But I had a lot of guys call me and say, man, they, they said they can't, they're going to have to cut our deal off to next year. So I'm just not going to do anything. They said, what are you going to do? I'm like, hell, I'm doubling down, son. I'm pushing all in to the front of the table because when they get rid of all y'all next year, I want all y'all. <laughs> How ironic was it the way COVID shook out? Everybody got so scared. They canceled the shows and things. They cut the marketing budgets. And the fishing industry had its biggest year in the history of, of sales ever. Like every company was just as fast as they could get it, it was sold. And they they cut out all of the marketing budget. <laughs> I mean, I it's, it's kind of wild. Now, I don't know if y'all are seeing it, but I think I'm seeing a few companies now that when that boomed, they run their budget sky high the next couple of years. And yeah. now that things come back normal, they're still operating off those COVID numbers. And now all of a sudden they're like, oh God, business is bad. Is it bad or is it back to normal? Back to normal. See, those yeah. three years were a phenomenon. You know, and as I talked with uh, Gary Klaus and, and Teresa Johnson up at Phoenix, I said, Teresa, how are we doing? She said, we're right where we need to be. She said, because we never changed our budget from when, before the COVID hit. We no, stayed people right standing in line around the corner waiting on a dang Phoenix during right. COVID. But she said, we didn't take our budget because we were 900 boats behind us and we're going to put another $3 million in our marketing budget. She said, we didn't do that. We simply said, we're going to build, put all our money into building boats. And I'm like, that's the smart companies. Then you see companies that had somebody said, hey, I've got all these sales. Let's increase our marketing budget. And then when it finally caught up, now everybody's sitting on inventory. They're calling anglers up and going, hey, we can't pay anymore. And you're like, well, whose fault is that? You know, it's one, it, it's a catch-22 because there's been some really good business decisions I've seen made through COVID and some really bad ones. We talked about your your Angler of the Year titles. You, you mentioned those. Discuss, you know, and this will lead, obviously, into one of your mantras, but how you stay focused on 
on kind of the the end goal because it wasn't like you didn't go out and win every tournament you know in the series but you stayed focused and consistent and and how you didn't get down on yourself chasing a win but you still in in the end won something that was way harder than winning one tournament anyway uh the aoy points championship is something i've always been fascinated with before I fished bass, I won a regional trail uh, that had 300 anglers in it, and I fished it a couple of years, and I won, and it was some top anglers, and I won their AOI. I went back the next year, finished second. I finished second then first, then second again, went to bass. I won the open side one year, finished. And so then I'm like, okay, I'll go to bass, the elites. I won the top 100 AOI. So I've always kind of been obsessed with points chases and probably should have been more focused a little bit on winning because a lot of times for points championships, you gotta, you gotta make a little different decision. You don't ever go for that. Hey, I was just, I wasn't on nothing. So I was swinging for the fence. I'm like, hell, why are you swinging for the fence? If you ain't even out of the, you know, you're in the bullpen. So I'm always that guy that says, Hey, take, do your job and then swing for the fence. So the question <laughs> to me in a game that's like, it's a it's the long haul. I, I tell everybody the points championship is like cooking a big old deer roast in a crock pot. You know, it you cook it on slow for a long time to get the greatest taste. A win, you could put it in the microwave and get it burning hot during that form. So I said a crock pot fishing, you gotta plan the entire season. You make decisions based on what next week's gonna bring. And you know, and I kind of catch a lot of grief sometimes because guys are like, well, you've never won an elite. I've won an FLW. I've won an open. I've won AOIs. Yes, I have let several elites slip through my hands. I should have won the classic before. I've had some opportunities pass me by. But, you know, it doesn't define who I'm going to be. The AOIs is, was what I've always got my goal on, and I've been lucky enough to do it twice. Yeah, and like Ryan said, that leads into what we were going to – get into with you which is kind of one of your mantras which is pma positive mental attitude and how that bleeds through aoy championships the ups and downs of of tournament fishing or just life in general i think fishing teaches you that it, it, whether you're in a kayak or a hundred thousand dollar bass boat if you can't maintain and keep a positive mental outlook on the water and in life in general you're going to struggle so i teach people as i go across the country motivation speaking i talk to people about PMA is just not something I put in my boat. I don't just say, hey, I'm just going to be positive when I'm fishing. I struggle to stay positive day to day, so I try to live that way because I'm that guy. I'm that guy that can pull up the gas station and no woman cut me off on pump two, and I just want to get out like it just start stomping baby chickens. I mean, I can get mad. So I like, I'm constantly preaching to myself, hey, just stay positive, man. Find the positive in it. Don't, but don't worry about it. So like, you, you try to retain this way of life of saying, I'm just going to try to find the good in everything. So when you're out fishing for an AOI and your boat breaks down, for, for instance, 2016, I go to where I want to go, had 20 pounds the first day. Day two, I get there, my trolling motor breaks. I'm an hour from the ramp. I'm an hour and a half for my wife to get to me. It seems like things are at an all-time worse. And I sit there for a minute, I was like, oh, you got two choices. You can self-destruct or just let, let it take over. So I just pulled the trolling motor, let the wind start drifting me to my wife got there. And when she got there, when I trolled motor put on, she said, you okay? I said, I've already caught 16 pounds. She looked at me, started laughing. She said, what? I said, sometimes you just got to let the blow, boat blow where it wants to go. So you realize <laughs> I could have melted down and went to the ramp and waited on her. I could just let the wind drift and catch 16 pounds. See, those are those moments in life where I realized your attitude controls life. Not just that tournament, not just that, oh, he won this. No your attitude is winning in life. And it, that's been something I've had to learn. And the AOI chase has really helped with that because you realize 
you're going to have some ups and downs. You're going to have some things that don't go your way. It's how you handle them ter- determines where you're going to be at in two months. How, how important is your support system to your success? You just mentioned your wife bringing you a trolling motor and you know, anybody that's followed G man, you see, the the relationship that he and lulu have she's writing motivational (laughs) messages on his on his sandwich bags and stuff how important is that to to keeping you on the right track it's everything to me because we we signed on this as a team you know what i mean like and and i tell anglers i was like how do you get your wife to buy in on this she was willing to help me pursue my dreams and i was willing to help her try she her dream was to see my dreams come true and I, we just kind of said, this is our position and we're going to do what we do. We're going to work together. And we do these silly things that when we're on the road fishing tournaments. My wife is not one to get all dressed up, go to the wineries, go to the water parks or go do all this laying out. I tried to talk her into going to ICASTing tomorrow. So I, I've got meetings all tomorrow. After I said, we well, just carry your bathing suit and go lay out in the pool. She goes, I just don't know if I feel right doing that because we're supposed to be working. We've had that mentality that when we work, we work. And when we party, we party. So when I'm on the road, she's all in on it. It's work time, and this is this is what we want to do. And without that, it, it's not hardly possible. You know, my family's always been supportive. We come pretty dirt poor, uh, but my mom and dad have always been there to say, if it's what you want to do, do it. We, we're sorry we don't have the American Express to make it happen, but if you got enough determination, you'll figure it out. So I think I would tell the young anglers coming into this to – Bring your fiance, your wife, or your girlfriend, or whatever it is, bring her in and show her your world. Explain to her. Because I have guys say, my wife or my girlfriend just don't support me. And I say, well, have you ever tried to talk to her about it? Have you took her fishing? Have you sat down and told her your dreams? Have you really opened up to her about it? Because, see, most of them haven't. Because they'll say, well, how did you get your wife to bow hunt? I'm like, have you ever carried yours? See, I carried my wife hunting for two or three years before she ever had a weapon. You know why? Because I just wanted her to know what it's like to see a deer, to smell what it smells like when the sun rises. And once she bought in, you can't keep her out of a tree. But most of that falls on the men, us men. We don't do a good enough job introducing our wife into it in a way that we become a team. Amen. Amen. You're pre- preaching to these folks. A lot, a lot of great comments coming in. We got a bunch of questions. I'm starring up. We're going to get to the questions in the second half of the show. We kind of flipped this on it on its head, Ryan, because I thought we would start with fishing and get to the social media, but we started with Buddy, the, we all over. I mean, we started with the business and we're going to end up on the fishing. That's good. That's what we're going to do. Yep. I'm trying to plug my phone in. So I might, I might have to wiggle it around a little bit to plug my right. phone in. But <laughs> it, it, the fishing is a business. And I tell guys all the time your, your business partner and your wife could be your best friend or your, or your worst, but like most of the time I talk to people and they're like, well, I just can't get my wife to do this. They'll ask me, how'd you get Leanne to back a truck up? I'm like, I quit yelling at her. <laughs> you know, that, that's what men do. We go, the men go to the ramp and say, hey, honey, back me down. Well, she's never backed it. And then they're all out there yelling at her. What good is that doing? She said, I think I can back this truck down. I said, I'll sit out here and wait. She said, you're not going to help me? I said, nope. And there was a guy walked over to help her. I'm like, don't help her. He said, why? I said, because when she figures it out on her own, She's figured it out. But me yelling at her, she ain't going to do nothing but make it more nervous. So I'm like, us men, we have trouble teaching sometimes. Just got to let it, let them figure it out. I like that. It's kind of like raising kids. You know, just let them, let them go. Figure it I out. I had a good friend of mine tell me, he said, here's, here's the goal to raising kids. He said, your job as a parent, he said, their job as a kid is to try to kill themselves. Your job as a parent <laughs> is to try to prevent it. That's all parenting is. You're trying to stop them from killing themselves, and they're trying to kill themselves. He said, if you can beat that, you got it. <laughs> Uh, Josh Evans has come up with a, a limerick, Ryan. Did you see this? 
Uh, so we're on, we on a clapping chicken sandwich flipping mission. So <laughs> add, add, that, add that to your list. Thank you, Josh. Thank you, Jeez, Josh. For... Josh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Let's, let's transition a little bit into some of the... I like the little rules discussion. There was a uh, there was a good little kind of back and forth uh, <laughs> revolving around some uh, gray area type stuff uh, involving Keith Poche, and it was you know uh, we've discussed it on the show before. Uh, those not familiar, it was kind of accessing water and how we got into it, and it's not the first real case of that happening where there was some question. As an angler, when when you read the rules yourself how do you identify what what's worth pushing you know like is this is this worth me potentially being dq'd from this tournament am i going to gain that much of a benefit from whatever this maneuver is how do you how do you balance that out in your I head think that's uh, that's uh, i think that's how you raise and your moral compass as a human being i think people i i've met people that would rather do things dishonest not just in fishing but do things dishonest in life and then pray for forgiveness instead of saying hey i want to pray to make the right decision and hope i get it right i think that's how you raise you can everybody can read the rules and then certain people read the rules and say hey there's a glitch right here i can do this and it's i I beat the system that that's the human in you and and i I talked to an anger i I seen him up at st Clair, and i was like hey man how was all that going over at the mlf and he said well he said we had a gray area in the rule. I said, no, you didn't. You had a gray area in the morality of a few guys who broke it. Don't don't hand me that you had a gray area. Because see, there was about thirty eight of y'all that didn't have no problem with the gray area. Gray area. So when people say, oh, I like to live in the gray area, that that's on you. I, I just don't want to be there, man. I I'm want to be. I don't want to do nothing like that. I'm not saying it because somebody said, you trying to say you've never done anything wrong in a tournament? Hell no. I've run no wake zones. I've done stuff. Didn't mean to. <laughs> Looked up in the poor rainstorm. I'm like, good God, that was a no wake buoy. I've screwed up. But I've never left my house with the intention to push the rule and break it and to be in the gray area. It just sucks that we're seeing that more and more. And it sucks that Keith took that. Like, he he come at me like, oh, uh, dude, I'm just reading the rules off, bro. You had your speech. You told everybody what you didn't do. I'm just reading the rules. It got nothing to do personally against you. He took it that way. And I don't really care. I really don't. But it's the rules. I, I don't understand about if it's written down how hard it is. And I did Dave Mercer's podcast. And I told him, I said, the rule kind of pertains to, I had to take my boat out one time to get it fixed. I got DQ because my boat went up on dry ground. And the first guy, he's just typing with double fingers over here. Okay. That's the <laughs> stupidest thing I've ever heard of. It's got nothing to do with this great anger. Keep pushing. Like it's the exact rule, bro. But if you don't like the rules, go fish a tournament that don't have no rules. You, you, the guy typing, go fish a tournament. Go, go do that. But I'm like, it's the same rule. If you put your boat on dry ground and re-enter it in a bass tournament, you have left tournament waters and re-entered. Yep. You have to be restarted by a tournament record. There's a uh, video Todd Castledine did right about that same time, and he basically described the rule. He said there's two types of people, people that read the rules to make sure they don't break them and people that read the rules to figure out how to get around them. And there's an I, intent with that. Yep. I've had even the tournament officials tell me that that the guys that seem to do this know the rules better, like finding a way around it, mm-hmm. you know, but how do you stop that? Like, where do you go? Like MLS and this whole deal right now. And I'm like, I don't know what the outcome is. Yeah. That, that's the question is what should the goal of a rule set be for a tournament? Simple, right. clear and black and white. And if you break it, Chuck Norris kicks your mama in the sheet. <laughs> 
<laughs> we we had situations similar to that, and we actually last year kind of pushed for this big rule revision because there was so much kind of gray area stuff happening in these big tournaments and you know big tournaments for us you know paying out 10 grand or so for a kayak tournament which is pretty you know pretty decent compared to where we where we came from you know six seven years ago uh but as the money gets bigger it seemed like people were just pushing further and further trying to you know used to you could launch from anywhere that was public access so that became this game of like what what's technically public access can i repel off this bridge can i jump off a cliff as long as <laughs> you know i mean it, it just got to the point to where they had to cut it back and say here's approved launches you can only launch like you know basically go as far as you want to but cut out the 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 questionable shady stuff because in at four in the morning who's going to be out on that back road and see you if you're in that gray area you know like they, there's a lot more opportunity i felt like for for people to kind of there's a lot skirt more the edge. that goes on in bass fishing than people will ever know on all different tournament trails there's a lot more gray area stuff that happens and it's frustrating because we make rule after rule after rule and we have a new rule on top of a new rule on top of a new rule on top of a new rule we had to make a new rule because that new rule fell through on the new rule <laughs> how about let's make some punishments yeah you know, I'm the guy that everybody's talking about gun laws, gun laws, gun laws. We have 2,100 gun laws on the books in America. How about we change the punishment? Huh? Let's get Congress. Let me go to Congress. How about I don't change the law? How about if you get caught stealing a weapon? It's a mandatory 10 years. They said, we don't have anywhere to put you. We'll tie you to a tree. I don't care. I don't care. <laughs> you see, that's the problem is we're not punishing the people that get caught with the guns. It's like, why are we doing this? Why, why do we need another law? And I, I, I would argue with Bass and, and MLF or any organization said, we don't need more rules. You need more enforcement and simplifying your own rules and then tell everybody, if you push these rules, I'm going to favor in, of the organization. It's not, I'm not going to have any gray area. If you push this rule, because I can go through the Bass rule and read rules and tell you exactly why and who they were written for. I can, it would blow your mind. I could write them. <laughs> I know we could do that rule. too, right? We yeah. can do that too. Yeah, I mean, I know the David Dudley rule, the Randy Blockett rule, the Randy Blockett rule, the Randy Blockett. Did I mention Randy Blockett? <laughs> live scoop. Like, I hate live scoop. Randy Blockett's got like three rules written about him for digging out a duck refuge, jumping over stuff. Like, it's all about him for cutting trees down, removing trees. Like, why? Why didn't we just say, no, nah, we didn't like that, bro. You can go home and study the rules. You're DQ. Like why? What what rules? I mean, that's a, another question you mentioned. DQ'd. What rules do they and how do they determine these punishments? Where it's like some of them, if you continually get information on lakes and stuff, you get fined. Like you're, in in my opinion, getting information, especially from a, a local that's fishing all the time or a guy that's on the lake or something. I mean, that's one of the biggest advantages that you can have going into a fishing tournament not necessarily you can't catch another man's fish i got it but hey there's a mega school sitting out on this <laughs> this you point right here all right well here's 20 get pay me 20 grand and we're gonna let it slide this time how does that work now people tell you that all the time you can't catch another man's fish i said bull crap bull <laughs> let crap. me try you take me to yours i'll show you that that's a lie bro because i'm <laughs> every one of them that's like saying you can't catch another man's deer kill every one of them that's a lie. You with the modern technology and a great fisherman, if he gets information, 
Carl Jockerson made the best analogy I've ever heard about this because him and I spent a lot of time together. He loves MMA fighting, and he goes, dude, he said, in MMA, he said, when they started testing for steroids bigger than they ever have, he said all the championship belts changed overnight. The whole sport changed. And he said, I view information as the steroids of bass fishing. He said, if a guy gets a little bit of information, it's like taking steroids in MMA because you get a head start and you're hard to catch. He said, you ain't got to get the mother load of information, just enough that you could save a day of practice. And I'm like, that's an analogy. You know, the greatest thing about kayak fishing as, as we continue to grow and these tournaments get bigger and bigger and people are, you know, trying to make a living doing this thing. There's no information rules. There's no, I mean, you can't pay a guide, but as far as information goes, you're, you're wide open, you know, up until, up until the, the tournament itself, you can't solicit information. How crazy is that? It's better for you guys because in our sport, I was around when we had a, a no off limits and a 28 day off limits and a 30 day off limits. Then we went to the one year off limits. And then it was, you know how many people has ever been DQ'd in a BAS event because of the information rule? One. In a year. So like, it doesn't help us. The 30 day off limits, I believe, is really strict because you can set the polygraph up around that 30 day off limits and say inside it. Because first thing they'll tell you is we can't police a one year off limits. Then why do we have it? Right. Then you have a guy say, well, the guys who's got the biggest following, they're going to get all the help. Uh, They're some of them getting it anyway. They don't care. So like, but if everybody gets help, it dilutes it. And you like, I just want to tell them, I'm like, I've seen this. I've been around a long time. If everybody can call every Tom, Dick and Harry on Lake Champlain, there's only so much chili you can put in the soup and you can't taste it. <laughs> and that's what happens. Everybody gets the help. They fish on top of each other. They sabotage each other. And it's back to the natural fishing. Yep. But if only seven or eight guys get help, the other 94 guys want to be honest. That's where you see things flip upside down. The, uh, we've got a bunch of questions from folks in the chat. I want to get start getting to some of those. Th- this was this is kind of the elephant in the room, Ryan, that I, I was going to ask right off the bat, which is, um, let me pull this up right here. Where'd it go? There it is. The question of the night from Jason Willis on Facebook. This was asked about 10 times. Is G going to cross over at any point and compete one of these leading kayak trails? Inquiring minds want to know. Uh, I know Ryan's been talking to you about getting a few kayaks on board. Greg DePalma from the Elites is over there cashing checks on the in the kayak side. Could we ever see Gerald Swindle in a kayak term. All right. My sound messed up, but I seen the question. The guy was asking, do I ever see myself crossing over and fishing a kayak tournament? Absolutely. Now, I might not fish out of one like all souped up like they got. I mean, I, I would like just the links. You know, I'm that guy. I don't want all that stuff, dude. I've had all that. I just want something I can throw in the water and go just off through the grass and fishing. But I could see that. Carl and I fished together at Chickamauga the other day, and I told Carl, I was like, we Did you try his out? Yes, I said, we should find us a kayak tournament. Me and you just go camp one night, just like tent camp and fishing. He goes, I'm in, mate. Let's do it. Well, yeah. we run the local kayak trail on Chickamauga, so you're more than welcome to well, <laughs> come on out and jump in. That's the thing about fishing. I, I love fishing, whether I'm in a kayak or I'm wading in the river, I'm in my Phoenix. I still love it. That's what people don't understand. Now, I do. I know some pros and guys that I've, I'm real close with. They never fish when they're home. They don't care anything about it. Nothing. I'm like, I, I can't keep from fishing. I mean, I'm fishing the Sunday night wildcatter last night with Jesse Wiggins, you know, I, for $25 entry fee. And they're like, why? Because I'm like, I like it. I just like fishing. <laughs> so, yeah, I'd probably come to the kayak tournament. 
Well, we'll we'll have to we'll have to make that happen. We we drug old old Joe Lee out in one. Uh, it's been about three years ago on on Gunnersville now, and had to show him that it was a little tougher than what he thought. <laughs> so. Oh, dude, I see y'all's guys out here all the time, and I see them out practicing in those tournaments, and I'm like, these dudes are serious, man. They're like out in the middle of lake, like ledge fishing where I'm at. And I'm like, bro. Y'all are out here, out here. And when you commit to getting out there, guess where your B spot is? Yeah. <laughs> it's an hour back to the ramp and then driving to it. it ain't, you ain't picking up and running anywhere from that point. I think the strategy of it would be kind of cool. I, w- I would probably do one. Yeah. yeah, and you know what? Guys that have made that transition, Jordan Lee was one of them. Some other, Greg DePalm, when we talked to him, that's one of the things they talked about. Ike, you know, he's done a few, uh, mm-hmm. is the strategy, the mindset change from having have i mean there's no choice you have to what was old buddy that got out there and graft all week in his bass boat and then jumped in his kayak well fever yeah he uh he he fished a kayak tournament up there on his home lake he pre-fished out of his bass boat all week and went and sat out there on his waypoints it's funny last week i was up here at gunners when i was fishing i was getting ready to come in one evening and there was a guy there kayaking he was coming out he had his electronics he's fishing out there and I'm running in, and I stopped and checked this ledge. I'm 200 yards from him. They were loaded on it. And he's over there just whipping around. I see this big graph sticking up. I just idle over and turn my boat off. I guess he thought I was going to be a prick or something. I'm like, I'm like, hey, man, you got pretty good electronics on that? He goes, yeah. And I was like, I said, I'll show you where this little nipple sticks out on this point. I said, they're loaded on there if you want to go catch it. But he's just staring at me. I'm like, I don't think you're right. Smoke them. <laughs> Dude, when I left, he had his, like, a little trolling motor on. He's like just flying out there to it. I'm like, you know, fishermen are fishermen matter what you in they still like it and they still help each other but it's a it's a cool world like i respect what them guys do i mean i really do i see them out there doing it. i'm like i got nothing but respect it, it's funny watching the evolution i mean you have have seen a great deal of it on on the big boat side but the kayak side is you know it's like you just turn back the clock 45 years on on where the bass boat side is as far as gaining momentum and exposure and buy-in from these companies and non-endemics coming on like it's it's kind of and that we're fortunate in that you know we obviously we have to go through the growing pains with it but we're you know we're watching this kind of happen you know live right right in front of us it it's catching up though dude i see that i see y'all's momentum i mean i'm out on the water all the time and i see more and more families kayaking more and more i mean i see some guys down here fishing i see the fluke master out here all the time and some other guys dude they got more electronics than i got i mean they dead on serious with it and we have one thing that they didn't have 45 years ago which we already mentioned earlier which is the social media machine <laughs> yeah you know that's I mean? the truth it can push it right along that's the truth so you uh, got- get to some you want to get to some questions there, Jeff? Yeah, yeah. Let me get let me see some of these pulled up. Uh, we'll go we'll go to uh, back to Facebook first. Chris Murphy on Facebook. What's the best advice you could give to guys and gals trying to bring their already decent game to the next level? Things to concentrate on, I guess. Thank you, sir. Uh, I think one of the things that that I've done and I've worked with my nephew on is if you're trying to take your game to the next level fishing is uh, put yourself on the clock. And when I started working with my nephew on that, he's like, what are you talking about? And like, we would just be out fishing and I would just randomly say, I just make up a number. I'm like, you got 51 minutes to catch a fish and the classics on the line. And I would put the pressure on him by standing behind him, counting down the clock. So I tell everybody, fight the clock, fight the clock, learn to manage your time which is something you never hear anybody write about. 
hear anything anybody talk about, but that's the biggest thing that you're looking down at that clock and when you're not catching them, it looks like it's on super fast forward. You oh, know, yeah. I would tell, I would teach my nephew, fight the clock, watch it. You only have 31 minutes. Can you get this done? You have one hour or we'd be fishing and not catching them. And I would just stop it. And I said, we got an hour and a half left to fish. We got to catch five fish to get a check. So I would put him in that frame of mind to trigger himself to go into tournament mode, even when he wasn't ready to practice that, um, being efficient. What's he going to do? Make putting a look, making that pressure on himself feel real. That was one thing that I would tell you to do is when you, when you only go to the lake for two hours, put a goal on that two hours. A lot of times I'll go out here in the evenings and I only have two or three hours and I make these stupid, silly goals and I'm by myself and I'll pull up the Seaboat boat ramp and I'm like, the goal today is 19 pounds. You got two hours. And I may go out and idle for an hour and 40 minutes of that two hours because I want that gut-wrenching feeling of what it's like in a tournament. Would you be disciplined enough to idle in a tournament to find a mother load to try to make a comeback? Most people aren't. But when you do it, and then you realize it only took 12 minutes to catch it when you found it, that, that bulb goes off in your head. So fight the clock. There we go. Amazing. All right, let's go over to YouTube now. This is from Outdoors to Go on YouTube. If you had to pick one story, fishing or in life, that you would want people that don't know you to hear, like a motivational story, I guess he's asking for. Whew. That's a it's good deep. one. Man. It's deep. <laughs> That's a good one. I, you know, and I'll give it to you in the short. Uh, I've actually told this story on YouTube before. It's about uh, I was working a big trade show in uh, Virginia, and I was eating dinner with my wife and a girl named Snooky all fishing. We were just sitting in a barbecue joint eating because I was there to speak. I spoke that morning around this barbecue joint eating and this guy walked up, tapped me on the shirt. He goes, hey, I don't mean to disturb you when you're eating. But he said, I just want to shake your hand. He shook my hand, but I felt something in my hand. He closed my hand up and he walked off. And I just peeped down in my hand and there's a nine millimeter bullet and I just put it in my pocket. My wife's looking at me and I'm like, this is different. This is really different. And we got back to the show and I told my wife to go find this guy. I said, your, your ultimate goal is to find this guy. So she went and found him and she said, well, my husband gets off stage. He wants to talk to you. So I did my seminar, signed autographs, and this guy waited patiently. Uh, we took him behind a curtain. Him and I stepped back there talking. He started telling me a story about how he had been diagnosed with cancer. And he felt like he wasn't much of a father. And he was an embarrassment to his daughter. And he was embarrassed about who he's become as a man. He was wilting away. And he had the gun in his mouth. And he wanted to kill himself. And a friend had sent him a YouTube video of me talking about being positive. And he said, I had the gun in my lap. I've had the gun in my head. He said, I've had it there. He said, I was there. And he said, I took that bullet out and I put it in my pocket. And he said, I've been carrying it for two years, trying to find a chance to meet you. And he said, today it came true. And he said, I want you to have the bullet that was in there for me that you turned around. And I think to me, no matter how many tr trophies I win from here on out, whether I win the next three elites or I win the classic, whatever, all that would be great. But that was something in my life that let me know that this fishing deal and what I'm trying to do is a lot bigger than just what's on the end of that buzz bait every day. That's awesome. Yeah, Amazing. I still got that bullet. I still carry it. I carry it in my shaving kit everywhere I go. I, it's in, I was packing my iCast clothes and that bullet is still in my shaving kit. Don't get on a plane. No, don't get on a plane. <laughs> Check that day. But Pro just tip, reminder, don't get on a plane. Just a reminder that there, there are people out there that sometimes you can make a difference. 
Absolutely. Awesome. Fish, fishing in general makes a huge difference in a lot of people's lives. Yeah. Uh, yep. Changing for the better. Uh, Keith McGee had a comment, and this we'll, we'll go Randy Blocky. You mentioned him earlier. He said, unfortunately, the boat world has now priced themselves into a realm where many can't afford it. What do you, what do you think to that? What, what's your advice to young folks that, you know, want to get into the bass boat side of things? But there is there is a financial obstacle these days. You know, things have gotten expensive. I would say he's 100% right. It, and it's not just the bass boat world. It's the vehicle world. It's everything. You know, so when people say bass boats have gotten too high, I'm like, but you don't have a, you don't have a problem paying $100,000 for a truck. They, the same difference. It, everything's higher, and I agree with not not everybody can afford them. I would tell people, I mean, one of the things I'm looking at right now, and I'm trying to get built for me so bad I can't stand it, is a 14 and a half foot John boat. And people think, well, you're crazy. No, dude, I, I I'd love to have me a 25 tiller handle Mercury on a 14 and a half foot John boat and just go back to the river fishing. I would tell kids at all levels and, and men getting into this sport, you don't have to start out in a hundred thousand dollar boat. You don't have to. That's your end goal to end up at. But you don't have to be in that to be successful. I fished a wildcatter last night. There's people in nineteen eighty seven Stratuses all the way up to clunkers to the brand new boats. Fishing is just about being on the water. So don't don't get caught up in the metal flake and the pricing. Find something you can afford and then go do what you love and go fishing. Good. In our sport, that's kind of where, that's where it falls. And in, in the, we're the, the gap from the bank to the bass boat, Right. you know, you, you, you can run down and, and everybody always does it. They go buy, they'll, they'll buy something cheap, buy my, you know, $500 kayak or something, get out, flip it a few times, see a nicer one. Then you upgrade, then you upgrade. And then by that time you bought eight and you just spent $20,000 on, on a kayak. But that's, you know, that's the, the addiction and the competitiveness, I think, especially when you get into it and you win a little money, when you win a little money, you're like, mm, if I spend a little more, I bet I could win well, more money. And then <laughs> start winning that money. You lose your mind. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I'm going to get me five grass i'm gonna get me some gold string on my shoe string gold to <laughs> pimp this whole deal out yep like, oh bro you want a hundred dollars ease up for a kill return on investment i'm a pro now get out the rat baby one thing that kayak fishing offers that i will say is it lets a lot of people get on the water that will never have a chance and they're not going to fish a kayak tournament because i see family after family out there when i'm fishing to just get out on the water that's kind of cool it's kind of cool to take a pickup of this old knocker kayak at wherever, get out on the water and get that passion. Once they get that passion, then they become a Hobie customer. Then they become a Phoenix customer. Once the passion gets in your blood, that's all we need for, for a lifelong fisherman. I was, I was trying to think of a way to plug dugout right there, Ryan, but you can just say go to dugoutfishing.com. There you go. Uh, Carter's got a Hobie and a Phoenix. <laughs> that's, a, yeah, yeah. that's actually what got me into Hobie and a Phoenix. Thanks, dugout. <laughs> I mean, kind of look at it. See, and that's one thing I'm learning, like where I live, is I start talking to you guys about kayaks. I don't realize that there's not that many high-end kayak dealers around me. You know, yeah. I start talking to you guys about the dugout. That's only two and a half hours from me. But it's one of them shops that's got everything. They got yeah. everything. And it, it does, and it's got a big network, too. You know, Jamie supplies. He's a wholesaler, supplies, you know, most of the southeast around that. So it's a – we've we've tried – us, myself, Steve Owens, Christine, we've tried to build this – something that's bigger than the shop. Like, we, we have tried to make this, you know – 
bringing Jeff and the podcast, uh, us teaming all this together. We've tried to make it something a lot bigger than, you know, just selling minnows <laughs> down there. Like it's, it's a, you know, we try to make it a family atmosphere. We try to stay really involved with the community, always giving back and that, that outreach. I think the more you invest into your customer, the more you're going to get back on the other side. Right. And customers now want that one-stop shop because people go on Amazon, they type in there and hit one word in the package. Like people that buy my clothing, we make it so easy on Shopify. You hit one boat, one button and there's a PMA hat at your house in four days. Like you, a customer wants that service. So mm -hmm. a really high end kayak shop is needed. You know, I don't want to just go in and look down at a strip down kayak and they go, yeah, we can order you this one. That's like that Ashley furniture. I don't know if y'all have ever been in one of them. They don't sell Jack. You can't buy shit in there. You go look at everything, but you can't buy nothing. No, we got to order it. It takes eight weeks. Well, then shut the doors and give me a catalog. Like, I'm coming here to buy a couch. You tell me it's going to be eight weeks. So, like, when I go to, like, if I'm a customer, I want to go buy a kayak. It's it's a spontaneous buy for me. I want to go in there and say, I want this one. I don't want to go in there and say, we got to order it, and we don't have the, this, and we don't have that. That's when I realize how cool it is to have a really good shop. You know, because I've been by other dealers like, well, we can order a kayak, but it'll be it'll be a little while. We don't have any accessories. Well, then you're not my customer. You're not my guy. Yep. Amen. Amen. Uh, we got a few more questions, and we're going to wrap this thing up. We don't want to keep Mister Swindle all night long. I know it's he's Ronnie got he's got to work all week. I got to work all week. I got a four thirty wake up call and leave at five thirty for a flight. Yeah, yeah. We don't let him slide. You better out have here. your walking shoes on for tomorrow. <laughs> be ready. Yeah, this I'll, I'll finish with this question here from Facebook. Ethan on Facebook, what do you think about the CPR, the catch photo release style that we use on the kayak side? You know, taking a picture and letting it go rather than weighing it. Do you think that could ever make its way over to the bass boat side at any I, level? I, I think what you guys is doing is awesome, but no, will it ever work in our world? No, because MLS and Ply, I'm sure that it, it just doesn't work. People cut, they pack out that Coliseum to see somebody. To see Jason Christie pull in there and pull that eight pounder out and the crowd go crazy and everybody's face melt. There's something about that moment that's the most magical moment in our world. Now, is it conducive for everybody? No, but MLS, like, we don't want to have any way in. Well, you don't because there ain't nobody there. Like, there's people come for that fish. And, and, and I think anglers that have the ego that say, we are the sport. Like, I'm, I, you know, I hear guys say that, that these people would never survive without me. They will. Because, see, people love the fish. You're just a guy holding the fish, so you go together. But if you don't yeah. hold that fish, there'll be somebody else to hold that fish. The fish is the star of bass fishing. Now, what you guys do, because of the setups in the boats, it's practical. It's what you should do. Like There's no other way around it. But in the in the bass world, I don't see it coming into BASS to ever be a player. Because we've tried to catch way and release, like on some of the Texas uh, tournaments, uh, Texas Fest and all that. And we never do have the crowds that we do at a simple five fish weigh-in. What do you think for local tournaments on these bodies of water, especially, I know you see it on Gunnersville, we see it on Chickamauga, uh, Kentucky Lake. I think it's, it's a big factor in its rapid decline. During the summertime, these, you know, boat owners tournaments and things like that go into a CPR setting instead of killing so many big fish during the summer. I think they have to, or we could just simply say, let's get our game and fish and our DNR in our states to get off their butt and help us. Let's set up a guideline and a status quo. This is what you have to have a minimum printout of what you have to have to have a hundred boat tournament. You got to have five holding tanks. You got to have oxygen. You got to have ice. And we're going to come out and check you. 
you know, that's where we're letting ourselves down and our grandchildren and your kids is we're not protecting the resources in a way that we're demanding them help us. We love tournament fishing, but let's don't let every Tom, Dick and Harry have a 400 boat tournament and drag them across a hot asphalt and then throw them back in the lake. <laughs> if you want to have a tournament that big, have the right equipment, be a leader, do yep. what we're supposed to do. And I, I'll be honest with you. I don't know that we need to be having tournaments in July and August and September. That's just me, unless it is a catch, weigh, and release for a kayak term or something like that. Those are three critical months in the South where, the, where Satan himself wears Daisy Dukes and runs the air conditioning. I mean, good God. I mean, I see two Amish the other day with the sleeves cut out of the shirt. It's hot now. We don't need to be fished. Like, so, I, look, I mean, I'm a guy with fish every day, but I do know that it's the hardest time of the year to keep one alive. So we have to be responsible for that. Yep. I think, I think during the spawn, you have to be conscious of what you do with the fish. And then obviously the heat of the summer, those are, you know, two times, I think it's worth taking a second look at, at what you can do to kind of help the, the quality of the fishery overall. I think we have that responsibility as hunters, as fishermen, uh, as kayak fishermen, what we're doing, we have that responsibility to protect our resources. Not, not many of us have always wanted to take that role because it's kind of by, like people get all bent out of shape about it. But if we don't protect them, who's going to? Or if we don't try to set a standard and say, you know what? Let's don't have a 500-boat college tournament on, on Pickwick for uh, five years in a row in June. Let's yep. don't. It's just Amen. not good for, for the lake. Amen. And they'll say, well, what's the difference in y'all keeping them? Well, let me tell you the difference. When I had one fish die at Toledo Bend, it cost me $80,000 because I won the tournament by eight ounces, ended up losing by one because I had an eight-ounce dead penalty. All right, so I lost 80000 went back the next year, had one fish die, I lost a tiebreaker for 10000 because of one dead fish. So now I'm $90,000 upside down on Toledo Bend. So when I tell you I will go to all limits to keep a bass alive, I will do what chicken fighters do. I will blow down their throat and put a straw in their butthole. So I don't want to hear somebody say, well, I ain't no different what you do, bro. When you put as much effort in trying to keep them alive as I do, then we can get on the same floor and talk. The problem with these big tournaments is kids and high school kids and college kids are and people that don't, they won't even look in the live well. Let's throw them in there and fish the rest of the day. You know, me, I'm looking at them like, if I go back there, hey, y'all all right? Everybody, you need something to drink. You need something? I got some G-Juice. I got some ice. I got some banana. Y'all need some potassium. Why? Because it's oh. thousands of dollars per ounce. So when the penalty's that high, well, naturally, we're going to go to every link in the world to try to keep one alive. But when there's not much of a penalty, and it doesn't matter if they die, well, then we take our eye off the ball. We don't care. <laughs> oh my gosh folks uh if you want to learn from g-man you can sign up for the bass university <laughs> that also has a kayak side you can listen to us teach you some kayak things and then click on his stuff whenever you need some entertainment <laughs> thank you for having me on tonight if anybody's interested in if you want any pma clothing check out all my stuff on my site Thank y'all for having me on. I'm looking forward to getting a kayak this year and making some content. Well, I, I promise I'm going to make it happen. From the second I saw that leaf blower video, it was my mission. I was like, we got to we gotta get hey, him in some good – got to get him in some good stuff. I made that kayak move, and if it wouldn't have weighed 4,000 pounds, I think I could have <laughs> on pad. If I'd have had that links, I might have skipped out of that pond with that bad boy. <laughs> We're going to make it happen. We're going to make it happen. Enjoy ICAST. Thank you for taking the time out. And I, this did not leave anything on the table. This was by far our most entertaining episode we've ever done. Thank you, sir. Thank, Thank you, you so much. All See you guys. Mm -hmm. Wow. <laughs> what? <laughs>
I don't even know what happened here for the last hour and 15 minutes. I'm going to have to go back and rewatch this episode just to try to get back on track with everything he said. How many one-liners did he drop? Uh, it's going to be a lot of clipping, right? Oh, a lot, a lot of clipping going down. You know, I knew this was going to be a good one, but I did not. They did not disappoint. You know, sometimes oh, you think in your mind you kind of overhype it and it doesn't hit the mark. No, buddy, he, he is 100 miles an hour all the time. 100 miles an hour. That, that was great. Um, and I hope he does follow up and get in a, in a tournament, whether it be local or slide over into one of the big basketball. I'll go ahead and tell you he's going to. We've, he's coming I'm, in. <laughs> we've, coming in we've, we've pushed the right buttons on this one. It's going to happen. All right. So, hey, we're doing the Revo giveaway tonight. Uh, it couldn't be anything else but hashtag G-Man. So there you go. Uh, G-Man in the comments. Everybody tried to cheat it and get the hashtag Revo earlier. I know. I saw that. I saw, I saw him trying to sneak in on I there. Tricked, I tricked you. We, we've talked about Pro Guide, you know, affiliated with uh, the Bass for Beckers. We've talked about the dugout tonight. Uh, Bangtail Whiskey, I talked to Brandon Bing earlier before we did this show. Um, he's working on getting in some distributors around Tennessee, down our way in Chattanooga. Uh, we are going to do a Bangtail night for the Tournament of Champions on Chickamauga. Uh, this fall, so November, we're gonna have Brandon come down and and do a bangtail night, and uh, you know, go in your go in your little local liquor stores and ask about it. Help him get it, get the word out on this. I saw something the other day that kind of blew me away, Ryan. On the bangtail social media, they sponsored two podcasts. Us? What are they? What are they? And one of them's us. Uh huh. And the other one is country singer Justin Moore podcast. So look at that. Look at that. That's it. Would you look at that? Elite company we're in. So, well, you know, so. shooter, shooter, shoot, Jeff, shooter, shoot. Uh, I tell you what, man, man, that was so fun. I can't wait to go. Like you just said, I can't wait to go back and rewatch and clip that up. That's gonna be. That's gonna He's be such a good dude. I mean, such a good dude. We we sat around there, you know, bullshitting for <laughs> for uh, for an hour or so last year down there at ICAST, and you know, tried to get him roped in there, and and uh, I think you'll be seeing more uh, kayak related content coming out of G Man very soon. Yeah, I mean, you know. It, we talked about last week, we talked about this week, being authentic on social media and all the things you're doing. It doesn't get any more authentic than him. you know. And people eat it. I mean, you, you see how charismatic and engaging he is. Like, just tell, he, I mean, he could tell you a story about making a peanut butter sandwich and you're just, you're locked in just waiting on the next thing that he says. So I think, I think that's, you know, when people talk about building their brand and how to grow on social media, that's it. Like, you know, get people hooked in to where they're just waiting on <laughs> on the next thing to fall out of your mouth. Amen. Let's do this giveaway. I don't know if you were paying attention to the numbers, but we were running up 180, 190, 200 people live all night long. Huge night. We appreciate everybody watching. There were more questions that we couldn't get to. There were so many. We appreciate y'all putting them in there, but um, I think we, we got some good ones in front of them. We got some good answers. So there we go. Let's get this, this giveaway going. We got 100 entries. I'm going to hit the draw button. Here we go. It's counting down. Could we have a Twitch winner tonight, Ryan? It could happen. Oh. Jason Campbell. Hey, there we go. Jason, my man. I like it. That? Jason just had a birthday the other day, I think. I know. That's what it could saying. be wrong. Birthday. We did Happy birthday. Happy birthday, Jason. So there you go. Jason Campbell, you're the winner. Sliding them DMs. We always talk. We talk basketball and Razorbacks and everything else in the DMs. Couldn't happen now. to a better guy like Jason. We talk quite a bit after hours. He's a very good dude. Yeah, so there we go. Ryan, unbelievable, man. Neither one of us will be at ICAST, obviously. You're handicapped. <sighs> uh, but I'm looking forward to seeing what goes down there. And I'm, I'm sure thinking about cutting my Achilles next year, too, on the left side, just so I can miss ICAST. Even it up? 
<laughs> yeah. yeah. Now I'm looking forward to all the new products that come out. I'm sure we will have plenty to talk about next week after we see some of these drop. And of course, what wins best in show is always a great topic and the biggest flops of I guess. Oh, uh, there's a new measuring board. We forgot about that. Yeah, we didn't mention really, that. The leader. I like the name of it, to be honest. The leaderboard. Yeah. I kind of like the name. Like, yeah. how was that not taken already? That's cool. I don't know. It's yeah, That's a great play on yeah. words. We'll get yeah. more into that next week. There we go. See y'all. Later.